This episode of Recommended is sponsored by Renegades by Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer, number one New York Times bestselling author of The Lunar Chronicles, takes on the classic battle between good and evil and manages to make it completely fresh and unpredictable. Meyer has channeled her love for superheroes into a high-stakes world of adventure, passion, danger, and betrayal. More about Renegades by Marissa Meyer later in the show. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. This week we're joined by John Scalzi, who picked The People's Almanac by David Wallachinsky, Amy Wallace, and Irving Wallace. The fun thing about The People's Almanac was the concept of it really was not only the stuff that everybody else knows, but kind of the interesting stuff about the stuff everybody else knows, but they might not know this one particular thing. And Alicia Rye discussing A Distant Heart by Sonali Dev. It is not like any of her other books. Her voice is the same, of course, so if you like her voice, you're going to like it. But also, it's just, it's so refreshing and and new and um, innovative, so it's good. John Scalzi is a New York Times best-selling author of science fiction. He won the 2006 John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer, the 2013 Hugo Award for Best Novel for Red Shirts, and his debut novel, Old Man's War, was a finalist for the Hugo Award. His latest novel, Collapsing Empire, is the start of a new series of space operas in which an extra-dimensional field called the flow has allowed humans to spread across the universe. But the flow is shifting, and humanity is now in a race against time to discover what, if anything, can be salvaged from an interstellar empire on the brink of collapse. My name is John Scalzi, and The People's Almanac by David Walchinski and Amy Wallace is my recommended. I first found the book at my grandmother's house in Escondido, California. We were down visiting her for Christmas, and I would have been about six or seven years old at the time. And I remember looking at her sofa table, and there was this big, thick, monster book that said The People's Almanac on it. And I had no idea what an almanac was supposed to be, and I asked her what that was, and she said it was just a a book full of information. And I was like, well... I like books. I like information. And so I opened it up, and it seemed to me that this book had all of the information in the world, because it was over a thousand pages, if I remember correctly, and every page was something new and something interesting. And it was arranged in various chapters. So like the first one was kind of just general information. Another chapter was all specifically about science. Another one was about sports. Another one was about entertainment. And my favorite chapter was the spooky stuff about paranormal stuff. And it had stories about, uh, you know, uh, devils that hooves were seen walking around in like Amsterdam back in the 1640s and just all this sort of stuff. And so the entire time that we were there for that Christmas holiday, I was basically on the sofa reading this book. That was all I did with my Christmas time. I think my grandmother must have had the same sort of inclinations that I do. I think it might be genetic. The, the desire just to know a whole bunch of stuff about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the things that I like telling people about my knowledge base is that with very few exceptions, you know, which are related to mostly my professional stuff, I have a very wide but not that deep knowledge of just about everything. So if I'm having a conversation with people that I've just met, there's a really good chance 
that I can have a conversation about any topic as long as it doesn't go more than two or three questions down, right? And after that point, I just let them lead the conversation. Well, what do you think about the game that just happened last night? Well, this is what I think, blah, 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 and just let them go off. And then I get reputation for being very intelligent because I know when to shut up and listen. This is something that my mother likes, something that I like. It's something I think my grandmother likes, and certainly my kid is the same way. It's just learning stuff about stuff just seems really cool. So it's not too surprising that she had that particular book uh, in her house. I think she was a little surprised at how rapidly and how avidly I took to it, um, simply because I was, like I said, six or seven at the time. It's not designed for six or seven-year-olds, but um, I was one of those patented precocious children. So it, it suited me very well. It was so clear that I really liked that particular book that when my birthday came around in May, Guess what I asked for, and guess what I got? I got the uh, People's Almanac. Now, we fast forward a couple more years. I'm about 10 years old, and I do this thing where I run out into the middle of the street uh, and get hit by a car. When I get hit by a car, immediately this puts a damper on all the outdoor plans that I might have been having for the next several months. And I was really depressed about the fact that I had a broken leg, not just because it was a broken leg, but because the things that I was allowed to do were you know, cut down quite a lot. So there I am on the uh, sofa being mopey and sad where everybody's having fun without me. Uh, and my mother comes in and goes, I know that you've been mopey and sad, so maybe this will help. And she presents me with this big, thick book that is The People's Almanac Number 2, because now I have The People's Almanac Number 2. I was happy to be inside for months at a time. All of that stuff, again, just a huge uh, sweep of interesting stuff, kind of ignited a lifelong love of general information and trivia. I, one of the things I like to say whenever I meet librarians is that my favorite Dewey Decimal System number is 031, and they all go, oh, that makes perfect sense about you. And 031 is literally the uh, number given to trivia. Yeah, the People's Almanac definitely had an influence on my writing. First as a kid, just the idea of here was a touchstone that I had information from. And so whenever I started writing about a particular topic, other people might have gone to the Encyclopedia Britannica first or the World Book or whatever. I went to the People's Almanac first and then kind of branched off from there. So it was kind of my touchstone. And the fun thing about the People's Almanac was the concept of it really was not only the stuff that everybody else knows, but kind of the interesting stuff about the stuff everybody else knows, but they might not know this one particular thing. So when I was writing uh, reports when I was in you know, middle school and high school and stuff like that, I always knew just a little bit different information about a lot of things than a lot of people. And so that took me down a lot of different avenues of inquiry. Before I became a novelist, I was doing a lot of freelance work, and I was particularly uh, with people like the Uncle John's Readers. Um, they're the bathroom readers and, you know, have the articles full of interesting trivia that you can read in quote-unquote one city. So I wrote a lot of those, and so one could say that my interest and love and appreciation for the People's Almanac kind of germinated in me being a writer of articles that were short, sweet, to the point, had really interesting kind of almost trivial bits about a whole broad topic of things. So I became, in many ways, the sort of writer who would have written something like The People's Almanac. I did recommend The People's Almanacs and the Books of Lists when I was a kid to other kids who were nerds like me. 
And as I got older, I saw other books that were very similar to that. One of my favorite versions of that in college, and which has gone through several revisions and may still be out there, is a book that was called An Incomplete Education, which basically had the same format of, here's all this interesting stuff about a bunch of random stuff, and this is stuff you can use in conversation to make it look like you actually know what you're talking about, so long as no one really quizzes you on it. And I'm like, that's, that's exactly what I need. So that was another book that was along the lines. And then, of course, the Uncle John's Readers series, which, like I said, I was a contributor for, for a very long time. And it's a very, it's a book series with a very humble intent. Like, you're going to be in the bathroom for five to seven minutes. You might as well have something to read, right? But at the same time, they are written to be interesting and to be like you're sitting there going, oh, I did not know that. And you come out of the bathroom slightly smarter than you came in. So these are the types of books that are like the People's Almanac that still do exist are definitely ones that I do recommend to people because you, it's never a bad thing to know more than you do now. And it's never a bad thing to learn more and to be able to uh, incorporate that knowledge in one way or another. God knows that we live in an era where disinformation is so rife and rampant, and people are actively trying to promote and promulgate this information, that anything that actually comes into your brain that is, this is true, this is an actual thing, uh, and it's written in an interesting and accessible style, um, is something that I think is, is of benefit not only to that particular person, but overall to our culture in general. Thanks again to John Scalzi for joining us and recommending The People's Almanac by David Wallachinsky, Amy Wallace, and Irving Wallace. His novel, The Collapsing Empire, published by Tor Books, is available wherever books are sold. You can follow him on Twitter at Scalzi. Fierce Reads is the exclusive sponsor of this season of Recommended, and they're hosting a huge giveaway for Recommended listeners. So go to FierceReadsRecommended.com to enter for a chance to win a bunch of great books. Included in that giveaway is Renegades by Marissa Meyer. The Renegades are a syndicate of prodigies, humans with extraordinary abilities, who emerged from the ruins of a crumbled society and established peace and order where chaos reigned. As champions of justice, they remain a symbol of hope and courage to everyone, except the villains they once overthrew. Nova has reason to hate the Renegades, and she is on a mission for vengeance. As she gets closer to her target, she meets Adrian, a renegade boy who believes in justice and in Nova but Nova's allegiance is to a villain who has the power to end them both. Renegades is part one of what's sure to be an epic duology. Part two will come in the fall of 2018. Our thanks to Renegades and Marissa Meyer for making Recommended possible. Alicia Rise, the first author to have an indie-published book, appear on Washington Post's annual Best Books list. Her books have also won the RT Reviewer's Choice Award and have received critical attention and rave reviews from sources such as Library Journal, USA Today, Book Riot, Washington Post, Bitter Empire, NPR, and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Her newest series, Forbidden Hearts, started this year with Hate to Want You. A steamy and emotionally complex romance, it follows Livy Kane and Nicholas Chandler, separated by their feuding families, as they find out if love can overcome the scandal that divided them. My name is Alicia Rye, and A Distant Heart by Sonali Dev is my recommended. The book is coming out 1226 um, of this year, so like a little after Christmas present, I guess, for everyone kind of complicated. <laughs> it's it's almost like a Rapunzelist story a little bit. She's 
sort of kept away from everybody because she's ill. Her family is very wealthy in India and, and she makes this friend with a poor boy who's like sort of washing her windows. They become unlikely friends. She has like a, uh, immune system issue. So she actually can't be with people. So for a long time, their friendship is like through a window. It takes steps further. So then he can be outside of her like sort of plastic room. And then, you know, it goes further and further. The story progresses. And finally, you know, she can sort of walk around and lead, you know, a semi um, normal life out and about. She's in love with him. And he's nervous and you know the the story sort of is about their relationship but also about grief and loss and love and duty and uh it's just such a it's such a rich fascinating book I stole it from Sonali I stole the galley from Sonali Dev um (laughs) she had it in her bag and I said that looks cool and I dropped a few hints and then she gave it to me She's very kind. <laughs> That's usually the way I get anything. I'm like, hey, that looks cool. <laughs> maybe something I should read. <laughs> when you see the cover for it, you'll know why I did it. Because it's such a beautiful cover. Like, it is bright and the colors are pretty. And I, I honestly just saw, like, the blue and the pink. And I was like, I need that book. I don't care what it is. <laughs> give it to me and she was kind enough to give it to me and not be annoyed by my rudeness (laughs) this is very much a romance and actually what one of the things I love about it is that we don't get a lot of books we don't get a lot of romances that are set in India that are romances so many books that are written by Indian American authors or Indian authors are they don't end happily for someone um they're kind of like tragedies, a lot of them, or they're like love stories where, you know, somebody dies at the end. For me reading this, like one of the great things was that it was, you know, it's, it's a love story. Like it's, it's a love story, but it's also a romance. You know, there's a solid happily ever after. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's sort of a hard one happily ever after, but it's, it's definitely like, I was satisfied when I closed it and I was happy and hopeful. And I'm pretty sure this is the first book that's actually set in India. And I just loved that, that it was, you know, set purely almost, exclusively they take like a couple of trips and stuff but they're both from there and they grew up there and that's where they met and that's where the story takes place and it has a happy ending so I think it's just it's great all around what I love about her books is that they're also different from each other the first ones are a little bit lighter you know Bollywood Affair Bollywood Bride I think we're a little bit on the lighter side a Bollywood Affair yeah was her first book um it's been a couple years now I guess and and I liked it you know it was classic sort of like the romances we all sort of grew up on, you know, like it was like a Harlequin-y type romance. It's really good. But when I read Change of Heart, I was like, whoa. And then I read this and I'm just like, I don't think this is like any romance I've ever read before for, for a couple of reasons. And I think it just really satisfied something that I was looking for right now. Part of that is the narrative structure of it is a little bit different Normally, I hate flashbacks. The minute I see a flashback, I'm like, well, I'm out. And I close the book because I just hate flashbacks. It's just very bizarre. But this isn't really told through flashback. It's really told through sort of two timelines. And you can't skim over either timeline. You don't want to um, once you start reading because it's told in the present day, what's going on right now, sort of their like problems and issues right now. 
then it'll go back to the course of their relationship over their childhood and, and young adulthood and adolescence and young adulthood. It is just so engrossing because you're kind of like reading, it's like you're reading a romance and a YA in one book. I never thought I wanted that, but I guess I did. And it's just really satisfying for me right now because I, I think I just wanted something completely different and this, you know, served it up. Oddly enough, I mean, this one, the heroine's sick and, and stuff, but it's not, it doesn't feel as dark to me as Change of Heart felt. Like, Change of Heart was very, and I think part of it is because the heroine that was just so dark, like, you know, he was dealing with a lot of grief and stuff. The heroine of this book is just so effervescent. She's just bubbly and happy and, like, kind of, like, impish. So, and and her voice really, like, you know, the voice of that heroine just kind of, like, the, the hero is, like, kind of a classic hero. Like, he's kind of gruff and quiet, and he's he grows up to be a police officer, and he's protecting her from from bad things that are happening externally that has nothing to do with her illness or anything like that. But the heroine's voice in this is just so bubbly that it's hard, I think, for it to be a dark book. It's a princess story. It's like a fairy tale. Everybody sort of needs, like, that fairy tale right now. And the rich princess in her tower and the poor, hardworking guy who doesn't think he's good enough for her. I think that's sort of like a universal romance story. I think it's really hard to repurpose some fairy tales for modern day contemporary books. And that's sort of the challenge that everyone thinks contemporaries are so easy and they're not. (laughs) They're very difficult. They're extremely difficult. And one of the difficulties is it is hard to write things that have sort of, you know, all of romance has all been written before, right? Everything has always been written before. We just figure out new ways to tell it. This was one where I was like, it's hard to do a Rapunzel in contemporary settings because what's the reason that she's locked away? Is it a good reason? Are you going to be annoyed with the people who locked her away? <laughs> like, There's a lot of, I think, issues at work there. And it just, it worked here. She was in a bubble. She couldn't leave and her, you know, her Family sort of went to extraordinary lengths. She's the um, only surviving child. They had like seven, you know, stillbirths before her. And so they really dedicate their whole life to basically keeping her alive. Actually, the heroine refers to it as project keeping her alive. That is, that is all her parents do. All her mother does is like she's devoted her life to this. In some ways, you're like, well, I can kind of find fault with them for sheltering her or whatever. Also, they were parents. And how far do parents go to, to keep their kids alive at a certain point is it too far like are you hurting them maybe more than anything what is quality of life worth it is very impressive when I see a contemporary author sort of taking a, an old tale that everybody knows and flipping it so that it's plausible in a modern day world I really love the moment that I realized that it's sort of like a Rapunzel-esque tale is when she is ill she can't see or touch people because of the germs and stuff. She's not actively ill, but she could get ill at any point, And then she can't fight those germs off with her body. And she's like, I think 12 or 13. She's very young when this happens. They've sort of met before. She saw him when she was escaping from her house to run around the grounds of their mansion. And she saw him, you know, coming in and visiting her father for something. But they didn't really talk. She looks out her window and she just sees him washing the windows and raps on the glass to get him to, to come over and notice her. And they strike up this friendship. He, like, teaches her math and she's teaching him, you know, whatever. And and it's all through a window. And I just thought that was such a beautiful moment. This idea that you can make friends with someone with having, like, a, a barrier between you, like a literal barrier between you. <laughs> and you can still reach past that barrier. 
I think there's so much like double meaning in everything Sonali writes. I think one of those where it's like, you know, the barrier can be literal or metaphorical or whatever, and you can reach past it and still make friends with the other person on the other side. And I just thought that was like a really great moment. Thanks again to Alicia Rye for joining us and recommending A Distant Heart by Sonali Dev. Her novel, Hate to Want You, published by Avon, is available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Alicia Rye. Thanks to Fierce Reads for sponsoring the show on behalf of Renegades by Marissa Meyer. Don't forget to enter the giveaway at FierceReadsRecommended.com. And thanks to you for listening to Recommended Season 1. Thank you.